You are listening to the Hill Country Bible Church podcast. To learn more about Hill Country Bible Church, including our gathering times, visit us online at hcbc.com. Please enjoy today's message. Hey, good morning. Good to see you all here today. For those of you joining us uh, online or at one of our locations, welcome to you as well. We're so glad that you're with us today. Well, for the past several weeks, we have been in this awesome series called Embodied, the Theology of the Whole Self. And we've been diving in deep with this truth that our souls and our faith are not somehow separate from reality and our actual physical bodies. So we've learned that we have a created body, that God desires for us to have a rested body, a worshiping body, a sanctified body. We looked at last week that we have a sexual body. And today we're going to look at the fact that each of us have a fragile body. Each of us have a fragile body. Now I turned uh, 41 years old this year, and I'm, I'm what's known as a geriatric millennial. It's true. Look it up. Geriatric millennial. What does that mean? Man, born 1982, uh, right on that edge of being a millennial. And man, when I came on staff at Hill Country, I was 25 years old. Now I'm 41. And man, there's, there's days where I feel like I haven't really gotten older. But then there are those days where I feel a little bit more on the geriatric side than the millennial side, honestly. Maybe you can relate to this right here. Falling off the roof when you're a kid. Sneezing too hard when you're an adult. <laughs> Who can relate? Let me see your hand. Come on. I mean, sometimes I'll just sleep on my neck a little bit weird, and the next morning I'm like, I think I got a call in sick today. Like, what's go- I guess I did it wrong. What's going on? What is going on? And my body is aging. And getting down on the floor and playing with my kids at 41, it's a little bit harder than when I was 30, especially the getting back up part. Uh, Man, my body's getting older. I don't have the energy that I really used to have. I don't have the six-pack that I, I never really have. Let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. My body's getting older. Your body is getting older. Here's the truth. We have bodies that age, and we have bodies that can and will suffer in this life. We have fragile bodies that can experience pain and suffering. That's really the, the unwelcome reality of life is that our bodies are fragile, our bodies are easily broken. Our bodies are susceptible to pain, and our bodies are progressively dying. Now let's be honest, we might know that deep down, but we don't like to hear that, do we? We don't really like to be reminded of that. We resist that reality. A lot of times we'll question, we'll question that reality to God, like, like why am I going through this? Man, we want to avoid pain. We typically want to reverse the process of aging or deny the reality of of our weakness in a suffering, fragile body. Now, to be clear, there's many different kinds of suffering that we can experience in life. Over these next few minutes together, we're going to laser focus in, though, on physical suffering, like our, our actual bodies, our bodily limitations, now, sometimes that, that suffering does come from aging, uh, but sometimes it comes in other ways. Disability or deformity, illness, a natural disasters happen that, that hurt us. Trauma caused by others. 
damage caused by our, our own choices. Uh, in preparing uh, for this message, man, I thought of, I thought of y'all. I, I kept getting images in my head of, of Hill Country people that I know your stories and how you've, you've experienced uh, suffering in this life. I think of, of Jim and Marilyn and the, the suffering of their daughter, Kimberly, who's with the Lord now. I think of Linda, one of our missionaries, whose, whose husband took his own life at the end of just long suffering through mental illness. I think of some of my best friends whose son was diagnosed with leukemia, and they're, they're walking that road, that hard road. I think of other friends who are dealing with cancer right now. I think of other people that I know who lost a child in a horrible freak accident. I think of my grandma who faded away with Alzheimer's and dementia. I think of my niece, Hannah, who was born without an optic nerve going to her eyes, so she's completely blind, she'll never see, and that's on top of other significant special needs. I even think of my own firstborn child. When she was a baby, she got sick, and the doctors couldn't figure it out. We were spending all this time in the hospital, and she was getting all these tests and just suffering from the tests and suffering from the illness. I remember just, man, those sleepless nights. I'm just like pacing the hall and being like, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? I got to ask you, like, what's, what's your experience in a fragile body? Each of us have a fragile body, and each of us have an experience with it. Like, when you hear those words, physical suffering or bodily limitations, like, what comes into your mind? Try to visualize that. Maybe you have an illness that runs in your family. Maybe you have diabetes, cancer, heart disease. Maybe in your fragile body you have debilitating migraines that just really take you out. Maybe in your fragile body, your brain chemistry limits your body and just making you feel anxious all the time with anxiety. Students in the room, and maybe you have a a bodily limitation and you look around to your peers and you're like, I can't do what those people can do. Maybe you wonder why that is and maybe even have like a kind of shame on top of that. Sometimes our physical suffering we endure for our whole lives. And sometimes our physical suffering comes and we're no longer able to do what we once could because our bodies are aging. Uh, Unsurprisingly, uh, this is the number one question that people have for God when surveyed. God, why is there pain and suffering? I don't know if you know this, but even here at Hill Country, about 80% of the prayer requests that come in each and every week are all about physical suffering, prayers for pain in our bodies. But why are our bodies like this? Have you ever thought about it? Like, like why is this the way that things are? Like, why do we have these frail, fragile, aging bodies that, that break and die? Why is suffering like the normal experience of life? Well, this is where we're going to be spending uh, our time in God's word today. And this is our, our core truth this morning. Our core truth is each of us will physically suffer. 
but there is hope in suffering with Jesus. Each and every one of us is going to experience pain in our fragile bodies, but there is hope in suffering with Jesus. Now, maybe you're looking at that and you're like, man, but that, that doesn't explain why we suffer. Like, why do we suffer that way? Or maybe you're like, I, I don't understand what it means to suffer with Jesus. Or maybe you're going through suffering yourself right now and it's heavy and you're like, man, how do I have hope in the midst of my physical suffering? And my prayer is that God's word would illuminate that truth to us this morning. Now, throughout the Bible, and if you think from Genesis to Revelation, and we see that God's people are not immune to suffering. God's people are not immune to suffering. If you've ever heard from somebody that, man, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, uh, he fills up your bank account, and he solves all your problems, and he heals all your things that you're going through physically, like, I'm sorry, look at the Bible. This is full of people, faithful people who are trying to follow God that had bodily limitations and suffering. I mean, think about it. Job was covered in these horrible, painful sores. Joseph languished for years in prison. John the Baptist was beheaded. The apostle Paul was imprisoned and executed. And Peter crucified upside down. Horrible, hideous suffering. The people of God are not immune to physical suffering in a fragile body. In fact, there's really no human experience without suffering. But it wasn't always this way. It wasn't always this way. It's important for us to understand that suffering in any form can ultimately be traced or mapped back to one single event in history. That's the fall. The fall of humanity in the garden. Remember in the beginning, before sin entered the world, humanity was perfectly connected to God. The source of all hope and goodness and healing. Nature cooperated with us. God made this world in perfection. In perfection. There was no sin. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no death. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and that act of disobedience, it changed everything. It changed everything. When sin entered the garden, the world became infected with sin and death. And that is the current reality that we live in. That's the world that we live in right now. The fall and this introduction of sin even infected the natural world. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like the earth is like basically good and for you and cooperates with you? Some people laughed. No, right? If you think about it, we know that man, this world is a brutal, ruthless place. This planet is not our buddy. Think about the viruses and the bacteria and diseases that want to kill us. Or the weather and the environment. Man, it hurts and kills us. Man, I don't think many of us would probably last a week out in the wild of nature it's hostile. It's a hostile world. If you think you will, man, go take a long drink from the creek by your house. <laughs> or pick some berries in the woods and eat them. See what happens. Go pet an animal you find out in the woods. Like, no, this world is brutal. This world is brutal. 
And that all began with the fall in the garden. Each of us are in this long line of people who have suffered and died on this hostile planet. What's interesting is it's, it's only really recent history that, that masks that reality for us. I mean, think back just a, just a few generations ago how different life was for people. Think about your great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother. Like, a different world, right? Back then, I mean, people could suffer and die from all sorts of reasons. You might get a cut on your hand. That gets infected. I mean, that could be it. That could be it for you. It's been less than 100 years, in fact, that we created antibiotics. 1928, less than 100 years ago. It's wild. Now there's a pill for this. There's a pill for that. Uh, Big Pharma spends $6 billion a year direct to consumer marketing to us in in the U.S. uh, for over 20,000 prescription drugs. But let me ask you this. Have we eradicated suffering from the world? No. Have we eliminated death from this planet? No, of course not. All our advancements in in medicine and technology, and we haven't taken out suffering and death from this world. The hard fact is that none of us are making out, are getting out of this alive. And we're going to suffer at the end or along the way. There's no escaping it. It's a really hard truth. It's extremely difficult to even process that. It's difficult to endure physical suffering. And it's also so hard to witness somebody that you love who's suffering. Uh, Some of you know that uh, I lost my dad to Parkinson's disease this last year. Uh, I'm going to talk about my dad a little bit in this message, if that's okay. I'm going to put on two pictures of my dad. This is me and my dad uh, when I was younger. Uh, And this is a picture of my brother and my dad uh, at the end. A few things I want you to know about this man. My dad knew and loved the Lord deeply. My dad was a a pastor. He was a missionary. Dan Milkey was a a gifted communicator and leader, pilot. He was a disciple maker throughout his life. faithful husband, father of three sons. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a hero to me. He was a hero to me. Uh, When my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's and uh, began just his slow decline in health, it was so difficult as his son, who who loved him, just to see him suffering in this way. So difficult. I'll never forget sitting with him after a, a Thanksgiving meal, uh, we found ourselves, it was just the two of us in, in my living room, and I was sitting on my couch, and he was sitting right here uh, in a wheelchair, because at this point uh, he was confined to a wheelchair and was just experiencing chronic, relentless pain. He just got real with me. He was like, son, this is so hard. This is so hard to, to suffer this way. He shared with me a verse that he'd been struggling with, that he'd been wrestling with, with the Lord with ever since his diagnosis. And it was this, Ecclesiastes 12.1. It 
It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Through slurred speech, he's telling me, man, I, I have such a hard time with this. I have such a hard time that it's almost like a guarantee that days of trouble are going to come. I have such a hard time that it's, at the end, we're not going to find the pleasure in our days. We're only going to find pain. And you feel the weight of his questions. And I definitely felt the weight of them in that moment. And I wasn't going to offer him any any easy, easy answers, any platitudes. So hard to see him suffering. Now understand, my dad knew the Bible cover to cover. He had a, a rich theological understanding of suffering. He probably had counseled hundreds of people through physical suffering. But here in this moment, just my dad, in his broken body, wrestling with his creator, who was now experiencing this kind of physical suffering himself that was threatening to rob him of his joy. Now still, even in his agony, my dad's faith was strong. He knew that the Lord was with him in his suffering. And he knew that God could handle his questions and his disappointments. Why? Because my dad knew this. That Jesus understands our fragile bodies because he took on a fragile body himself. Jesus understands the suffering we go through in a fragile body because he suffered in a fragile body himself. Jesus doesn't have like this theoretical or abstract understanding of the pain that we go through in this life. Like he chose to enter in. He chose to put on flesh and experience our pain, our humanity, and death himself. The prophet Isaiah, uh, looking at the future suffering of Jesus in the Old Testament, he said this, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can... I can Forget That can get out of focus for me a little bit of the extent of the great suffering of my Savior. Like his, his, this title, like a man of sorrows, acquainted, familiar with suffering. Jesus gets our pain. He gets our pain. He knows what it means to have a fragile body. And he experienced pain at its furthest extreme in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews in 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. So Jesus understands my pain and yours, and Jesus has empathy for us in our weakness. He has empathy for us. He gets it. Listen, if you feel like... Jesus doesn't get your pain or that he doesn't care? That's not the truth. 
It's not the truth. Hang on. Cling to this truth today that he knows. He's deeply mindful of you. He's intimately aware of you. He knit you, formed you together in your mother's womb. He knows how you were made and he knows the pain that we will suffer in these fragile bodies. Isn't it amazing that God didn't just dump us here? Hey, you guys sinned. You guys messed everything up. Good luck. Figure it out. No, no. He actually came to this earth and suffered. He joined the world in its brokenness. Jesus understands our fragile bodies because he took on a fragile body himself. And so while our suffering currently or in the future is a foregone conclusion, and what we choose to do in our suffering is so important, it's so crucial. And we really have two options when we're going through that physical suffering that we experience, and it's this. When we experience physical suffering, we can either run to God or we can run from him. We experience pain in our fragile bodies. We can distance ourselves from God or we can run to him. Now, oftentimes when we're in pain, when we're in discomfort, we will try to distance ourselves from him. And a lot of times we'll do that through attempting to distract ourselves from our pain. These distractions can be obvious, like self-medicating with drugs or alcohol or other um, destructive behaviors. But for a lot of us, they're, they're, they're subtle, subtle ways that we try just to, to numb our, our, our pain in often unhelpful or unhealthy ways. And we can do this through food. We can do this by being obsessed with our jobs and becoming workaholics and fill every moment of our margin with our work. So we could just, maybe I just won't think about what I'm going through or that my body is aging and I'm losing aspects of who I have always been. Some people fill their days with with video games or just constant consuming of entertainment to like try to fantasize a life, a different life where they're not suffering. And we do this in all sorts of ways. We can easily turn inwardly and just seek to, to dull our hurt. And it's like we say to ourselves, like if I can just distract myself from this pain, maybe I can get through it easier. Maybe you've been there. But there is danger when we choose to run from God. This Bible is full of warnings for us to not run from God in our physical suffering. That road, that road will lead to isolation. It often leads to addiction. And it almost always leads to bitterness with God about the hand that we've been dealt in this life. Now the other option is to, is to run to God. What does that mean? Man, in our suffering, we can go to God and invite him in to our pain. And God actually produces good things in us when we walk with him through our suffering. Things like perseverance. Things like experiencing his, his power and our weakness. And maybe the greatest of all, the eternal perspective for our lives as we look to the glorious future that is available for us in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul puts it this way. Though outwardly we are wasting away, 
yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And we suffer in our fragile bodies. It doesn't mean that we don't have any value or purpose. It really just means that God isn't finished with our bodies yet. He's not finished with us. The truth is God wants to meet you in your suffering and lead you through the valley. He wants to do something in you. Friends, run to the Father in your suffering. Run to him because there you will find hope. You'll find hope in your suffering. You'll receive comfort. That's explained in 2 Corinthians 1. He gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding promised in Philippians 4. He even grows our faith as described in James chapter 1. But all of these things that happen when we're suffering only happen when we run to him. And we invite him in to whatever pain we're going through. I mean, think about it. Not only do we experience the love and grace and forgiveness and mercy and purpose when we run to the Father, we also have an opportunity for him to come into the midst of our suffering and experience his presence with us. His presence. In profound ways. We are going to suffer in this life. But you don't have to do it alone. We can choose to, to suffer without God. But that means we're going to suffer without hope. Or we can turn and choose to run to the Father. And he's going to meet us. As David said, he's our ever-present help in time of, of trouble. Now, no understanding, no, no theology of, of suffering is complete and without us looking at the insight from Romans chapter 8. It's one of the most incredible passages in Scripture. And really, it summarizes the state of our world and the hope we have in Christ. And it answers our big question, like, why is the world this way? Let's read this together. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was, I don't miss this, subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought in to the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Why is our world broken? Well, God subjected it to brokenness because of our sin. That's the answer. It's a hard answer. God made it this way. Now, to be clear, God... God's design was not for the sin that messed everything up. 
We see right here that God does provide a consequence for our sin, and he also provides a plan to redeem all things for his glory and for our good and in his own timing. Look at this. It continues on in verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our what? Bodies. The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. That is hopeful. That's hopeful. God's going to redeem our bodies. We long. Don't you long for your bodies to be released from sin and suffering? Someday they will be. Our fragile bodies will be transformed into glorious bodies that never get old, that never hurt, never die. It's so hard to wrap our heads around it on this side of heaven especially if you're going through suffering right now. But that's the truth, that our present sufferings won't even be worth comparing to our future with God. And friends, cling to that ultimate hope in your suffering. One day, our physical suffering and our fragile bodies will be over as God makes all things new. Now, next week, we're going to be looking at Our future bodies, we're going to wrap up uh, the Embodied series and we're going to look at what does this look like for these bodies that that we have not yet experienced. But really, this for us today, that's the paramount hope that we have that someday God will make all things new and right in the end. Uh, Revelation 21 paints this beautiful, true picture of our future lives with him. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Behold, I'm making all things new. If suffering began in the garden, it ends with God in heaven. There's an end to our suffering. We can be confident today that someday... God will make all things new and right. And the things that we suffer in our fragile bodies, he's going to redeem. Do you believe that? He's going to redeem it all. Make all things new and right. Though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. And in the dawn of that day, we can put our ultimate hope. I'm excited for next week where we're going to deepen our understanding of that day. Well, about a year before uh, my dad passed away, uh, I was at home in my home office working on something, and uh, I've got four kids, uh, two, two boys, two girls. My oldest son, Noah, came in, and uh, if you ever see a kid walk in, you can just tell they have a heavy heart. He walked in, and uh, he said, Dad, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, bud. And he goes, do you believe that God can heal grandpa? Do you believe it? I said, yes. I said, I absolutely absolutely believe that God can heal grandpa. Are you sure? Okay. We pray for him every day. 
We pray every day. We call out to God like, God, would you heal Grandpa? He's like, you believe he can do it? Like, why doesn't he do it? It was hard to talk with him about this. It's like, why doesn't he do it? And I explained to him that sometimes God chooses to heal our bodies while on earth, but sometimes God chooses to heal us when, after our bodies have died, when we're with him. I told him that even if God doesn't heal Grandpa like we want him to, like we pray for, that the moment he opens his eyes in heaven, God will make him completely healed and whole. It's not about how much faith we have that God can do a miracle right now. It's about trusting him in faith that either way, God is going to ultimately heal grandpa. Either way, he's going to take his pain away. So Noah was uh, satisfied with that answer and he went off to a different part of the house. I, I finished what I was doing. And a few minutes later, I came out, and he was at the dining room table, and he was drawing a picture. I'm going to show you the picture. This is Jesus uh, pulling my dad out of his wheelchair, healed in heaven. i got to tell you, this image has been really important for us as a family as we've walked through this this last year of grief and loss and mourning. How incredible that even a child can understand this ultimate hope that we have. Each of us will suffer, but there is hope and suffering with Jesus. And the ultimate hope is the day that he brings us into eternity. He takes away our pain for good. Maybe your physical limitation isn't a wheelchair. Maybe you're battling disease or disability or a body that others have done damage to. Maybe you struggle with mental illness or just the limitations of an aging body. Please listen. Someday, Jesus is going to pull you out of that and there's an embrace waiting for you as he makes all things new and right in the end. Like we've said throughout this series, we desire to be whole people in a fractured world. And when it comes to suffering, we can either choose to suffer with Jesus, who understands our pain. We can choose to run to him in our pain, where he'll meet us right there in the midst of it and comfort us. And we can choose to put our ultimate hope in that day when he wipes every tear from our eyes and makes us healed and whole forever. Now as we close today, I just want to just pause for a moment and just speak to, to anyone who is who's suffering right now. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're going through this pain right now. I encourage all of us just to think back to earlier in the message when I had to think about what is physical suffering or a limitation for you. Can you get that back in your minds right now? And sometimes we need a, a fresh way or some new language to cry out to God, to call to him with full confidence that he hears us. And so we're going to do something just a little bit different uh, today. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to read this prayer out of this book of liturgies called Every Moment Holy. And as I pray, I would encourage you 
just in an act of surrender, just to put your hands out like this to God as we pray. And what I want you to, to do is just visualize whatever that is for you. Pretend it's right in your hands. And over the course of this prayer, just invite the Lord into it. Invite the Lord into it. Join me in praying this together. And then we're going to respond in worship, running to the Father, who is our only source of hope and healing. Would you pray with me? O Christ, who endured the anguish of the garden and the agony of the cross, willingly taking upon yourself the sum of all our suffering, heal me or hold me now, for I am unable to bear this pain alone. Either give me respite from this agony or give me grace to endure what I cannot on my own. Meet me in the secret place of my torment, O Jesus, which no other person except for you can know or touch, for you alone have already carried the full weight of it, sharing in this moment and in all moments of my suffering and death, that I might also share in the fullness of your resurrection. Do not abandon me here, O Christ, do not leave me to face this hurt alone. However intense my affliction grows, let your presence and power be manifest ever more profoundly. Even if this pain expands to fill all my awareness so that I can hardly move or speak or form a coherent thought, even then fling wide your doors. And draw me into your place of refuge, O Lord. Or, better yet, seek me and find me where I have collapsed. There, gather me into your arms. Carry me to your hiding place. And tend to my distress. Where can I go but to you, Jesus? And who but you can come to me? Please either take this pain away, O Christ, or enfold me in the embrace of your spirit and cradle me through it. For I cannot bear it alone. I cannot bear it alone. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To hear other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at hcbc.com. And again, thanks for listening to the Hill Country Bible Church Podcast.